Welcome to the Finding a Job Podcast, a Ben J. Schaap LLC production. In this podcast, we share the stories of world-class business leaders as they discuss their professional journeys, job search strategies, and tactics that have led them to career success. If you're looking to find a fulfilling, well-paying career path, this podcast will unearth the tools and tips you need to expedite your learning curve and avoid common roadblocks that face people entering the working world. Now here's the host of the Finding a Job podcast, Jacob Billings. Welcome to the Finding a Job podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Billings. Joining us today is Karan Kishirapuria, a third-year finance, econ, and entrepreneurship major at Northeastern University. Most recently, Karan was one of the two fellow students for Mosaic, Northeastern's entrepreneurship ecosystem, and served as a junior analyst for NU Impact. He's going on to be the next president of NU Impact for this next upcoming year. After college, Karan hopes to be working in finance, get an MBA, and then head back to India to start his own venture. He also has plans to work on building a microfinance fund in India. So great to have you on today, Karan. Thanks for having me as well, and thanks for the nice introduction. Thank you, sir. So obviously, this is a career podcast, right? So the first question that comes to mind is, what are the career paths that you're considering? I think all students who come into college have something in mind. And when they leave from college, they have something else that they leave with. So similarly, I came into Northeastern wanting to be an entrepreneur and wanting to start my own venture. I actually didn't want to come to college because like my grandfather, I wanted to start my own venture right after high school. My parents forced me to come to college and get a degree and then pursue whatever I wanted to pursue. And I'm glad that they did because when I Northeastern, I totally fell in love with the ecosystem that they had out here. And I realized that apart from being an entrepreneur, it's also important to have certain hard skills. And the certain hard skill or the certain hard subject that was of most resonation with me was finance. So after school, I definitely want to be in finance. I have a few potential career paths as options. One of them being something to do with mergers and acquisitions, which is super cool and super hard to get into. Maybe something to do with equity research as well. And most recently, I started working with NU Impact 10 months back and I realized that impact investing might be a really nice career path with something with sustainable finance or ESG investing also seems like a possible career path. Very cool. So from what I could get from that, this is all within finance. The top three are mergers and acquisitions, equity research, and then impact investing. Could you talk specifically to each of those three? If you ask any kid in finance, like any college student in finance, what they want to do, they'll probably tell you investment banking, venture capital, private equity. However, most recently, merger and acquisition or M&A, as they call it, has become super popular. And basically, you look at a company and you see whether it should merge with another company. So right now, Uber and Lyft are being talked about considerably in the market with both of them IPOing very soon. And both of them did not have very successful IPOs. So people are asking, is there a space in the market where two such big competitors can exist? Or should they merge and become one? Talking about the acquisition side of the merger and acquisition comes, should a company buy another company? And for the company which is being bought, should we sell ourselves to another company? Most recently, we can think of Facebook and WhatsApp. 
So WhatsApp was a very successful company, but Facebook acquired them because they thought they could get added value benefit from another user base. And WhatsApp is also super popular in the Indian subcontinent, which has over 900 million smartphones. So that's where merger and acquisition becomes super interesting in the sense that should we merge with someone, should we acquire someone, or are we in a state to be acquired by someone? With equity research, it's really, really interesting, and it's a lot of base work because you are following certain companies and you're researching on them. So I might be spending three months following Amazon. So a person who is doing equity research might know everything about a certain company and goes into that company real in-depth, makes certain financial models, and then probably presents it to the higher-up analysts who decide whether they want to invest in this company or not. It's a great place where you get to connect the dots because you might be looking at a steel company and might realize that the machines actually come from Germany. For the company that makes machines, they actually buy the parts for the machines from, say, Indonesia. So it's very interesting because there are many layers that go into a company and with equity research, you generally go in-depth and know all the layers. And if you're a curious person by nature and you like research, it might be a really, really cool job to take up. Impact investing, which is probably the most underrated of all these three because people don't know that impact investing is becoming a thing, is something that's growing every day in terms of more and more interest being generated in the student population and in the finance world, and also more money being dedicated to it. So with impact investing, there are two sides to it. You can either invest in the public market with something like an ESG fund. And ESG stands for Environmental Social Governance Fund. So they look at all these aspects before investing. You can invest in green bonds. You can invest in certain ETFs that are environment friendly. And you can invest in climate change portfolios. With the private side of things, you invest in early stage ventures that are making an impact in their own industry or in their own area. An example of this kind of a company might be something like Plastag, which helps to make the process of communicating with students and professors easier and increases the education level of students. There are many more companies in impact investing, and there has been a case that impact investing or ESG investing does lead to a higher or, or more positive returns. Interesting. So margins and acquisitions, it's all about the value added because the company that's being acquired, they have more resources and so they can scale a lot more. Equity research, I really liked the idea of connecting the dots and just being able to understand the details. And then from impact investing, I liked what you were talking about with early stage ventures and being able to quite literally help impact with those. So going off on those three various sectors, of this bigger career path being finance, why do you want to get into finance in the first place? You need money for everything, right? Whether you want to buy clothes, whether you want to start a business, whether you want to invest money, you need capital for everything. And I think finance teaches you how to use your capital most efficiently and the number of ways you can use it. So a lot of times when people talk about finance, they talk about a stereotypical career in finance, which might be something like investment banking or venture capital. But every day, like with fintech disrupting finance almost, with impact investing and ESG investing, disrupting finance, with microfinance coming in now, finance has become a whole new game altogether and it's become much bigger. And one of the other reasons why I chose finance is also because it's very important to learn how to value things. So when, when you buy a package of Doritos, right, you're paying, say, $2 to buy the package of Doritos. 
and somebody at Doritos has valued that particular pack of chips for $2, right? Which is not too hard. But now imagine valuing Amazon. It's worth, say, a trillion dollars. When you're talking such big numbers, it's very, very interesting to see how do you actually value a company or a product or any other idea. So I think finance gives a very mathematical and rational analysis into how to value things. And it also is a greatly increasing field with new career paths being added to it day in, day out. And number three, it's something that every person needs. It's universal, no matter whether you're a scientist, you're an engineer, or you're a lawyer, you still handle your money. And I think studying finance has really taught me how to handle money better, how to be more efficient with it, and the amount of impact that even $1,000 can have and how you can compound it to make it say a million dollars. You mentioned being irrational. I'm interested about why you specifically think you're suited to have a career in finance, right? I know you're outside of this podcast and you're incredibly busy outside of school with all the entrepreneurial things you're happening with. But from what I know about finance, it's quite a go-get industry and in that you've got to be working 24-7. What about you specifically? Do you feel what makes you suited to that career? I think that most people have a view of finance that you're sitting on a desk nine to five, or in some cases, if you're working at a big bank, like say Goldman Sachs, you might be sitting on a desk from 6 a.m. to 2 a.m. at night and working 80, 90 hours a week. But a lot of times, having spoken to people and having done a co-op previously at a big asset management firm called GMO, which stands for Grand Mayo and Otlu, I also realized that they're looking for people with the entrepreneurial mindset. And this is a term that you might have heard multiple times in a business school. And a lot of times people think this is BS, like entrepreneurial mindset, what is that? But it's just the fact that like, you know, you are a go-getter, you get things done, you take initiative yourself. So with finance as well, I think it's very important that you're not just sitting on a nine to five on your computer, banging out spreadsheets, but you're also looking at how do you invest a thousand dollars to make it bigger? What company will provide the next alpha is stuff like ESG investing actually a thing and can it give you higher positive returns? And along with that, right, once you get these hard skills of being strong at Excel, knowing how to value a company, knowing how to research a company in depth, being able to connect the dots, being able to speak in a professional setting, having a strong network of asset management friends, handling your money efficiently, you can use all these skills to start your own venture. It could also be a finance-related venture like a fund but you could do anything with these skills and they're all transferable to when you start your own venture as well. And to that end, like I come from a family business where my father and my grandfather, like they've, they've all been working on their own ventures. And I feel that having learned so much studying at Northeastern, having met so many finance professionals and professionals in other industries, I've learned a lot from them and all these hard skills can be brought into making, if I ever join my family business, making it more efficient or at least being able to suggest things that can make it more efficient, make it more impactful, make it more socially better as well. Very interesting. My follow-up question to that is, how do you get experience in the finance industry, right? Do you personally invest into IPOs and impact investing and whatnot to kind of practice what you preach? So. Obviously, like you can start your own small portfolio, like most students do on this really common application called Robinhood, which allows you like download an app on your phone and invest through it. I do have a small portfolio, but it's nothing crazy and nothing out of the world. But apart from that, it's great experience like being able to follow the market and doing a deeper analysis. 
But apart from that, I think Northeastern has given a fantastic option with the co-op program. So I was able to do a six-month-long internship at a big, world-renowned asset management firm. And apart from that, in finance and in business, doing summer internships is super helpful. So my roommate actually is interning this summer at JP Morgan in Texas. And I myself, I'm interviewing for a few other companies next week for an internship in the summer. But I think co-ops, internships, building your own portfolio is super interesting. But apart from that, you also have the option of joining funds if you're still a college student and looking for a job. So at Northeastern, we have two funds, the Impact Fund and the Undergrad Investing Fund. The Undergrad Investing Fund invests in public equities, whereas the Impact Fund invests in ventures, early stage ventures. So having my own small portfolio and having the option of being on leadership of NU Impact and sourcing these companies and doing everything else that goes into building an early stage fund has almost given me the best of both worlds. And being able to top it off with amazing co-ops like places like GMO has just been an amazing trifecta approach. Very cool. You know, most of the guests that I'm interviewing in the beginning stage of this podcast are people at Northeastern because it's the lowest hanging fruit. You know, I know you guys as guests personally, and so it's just easier to have an authentic conversation with. But the question I asked Cheyenne on one of our previous episodes was, if you're not at Northeastern, if you're not doing a co-op, or maybe you are in Northeastern and you haven't done your first co-op, but you need to get more experience, how do you get that first internship? I think that's a very important question because many of your listeners might not be Northeastern students. I do have friends who are not Northeastern students and I've, I've exchanged some best practices with them. So like a few examples is firstly, make sure your resume is up to date. Like I think that's super important because you never know who you might have to send it to. And if it's not up to date and you meet someone interesting, then you have to edit it and you might make a mistake while editing it last moment and send them and it might screw up. The second thing I would suggest is having a strong LinkedIn presence if they're actively looking for an internship and mentioning it somewhere on their bio or on their header that seeking a summer internship right now with LinkedIn, like a lot of opportunities arise because you might be sitting in a Uber and you can approach them saying, hi, my name is Karan and I'm looking for a summer internship and can we exchange LinkedIn contacts and I can connect with you. And through LinkedIn, you can actually see all the things that you've done on campus and beyond that. And you might be able to land that first internship that's super important. The third thing I would say is like networking and more than networking, leveraging your network. So a lot of your listeners might have, say, 100 friends or even a few friends who have done an internship or who have done a job or who are doing a job in a big finance firm. And I think just letting them know that I'm looking for a job right now. Can you connect me with someone in your firm? And being professional about it, responding to emails on time and making sure you're on top of your things really helps. And the last thing I can think of is just making sure that you know what value you're adding. So say your friend connected you to someone at Deloitte, then making sure that you follow up efficiently you tell the person what value you're adding and that you're starting much beforehand. So generally, when people are looking for summer internships, which is the best time to actually intern in a finance fund, people start looking at the top companies a year in advance. So if I was looking at an internship in 2020 of summer, I would start searching and applying maybe like April, May, June time. And the top banks like JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Merrill Lynch, they all run out pretty quick. So... These four things of resume, LinkedIn, 
network and starting beforehand, I think are primary factors if you're looking for a job and you're not from Northeastern. Interesting. It's also interesting that you bring up LinkedIn because being fully transparent, I'm trying to build up my agency right now. And one of the methods that has been recommended is literally just using LinkedIn and playing the student card, right? So you can either individually connect with people or you can potentially persuade your parents to upgrade to LinkedIn premium or whatever the service might be. But for you to literally just start connecting with people, for example, in finance and say, you know, hey, look, I'm a student. I really want to learn. I want to do this completely for free and lead with value, right? And I guess that kind of ties into my follow-up question to that, which is you mentioned networking. What is networking in your eyes, right? Because it's loosely used everywhere. Just to address the LinkedIn point with the premium aspect, LinkedIn gives you three months of free premium use. So like, you know, if you're actively searching for a job right now, use those three months of free premium use before you pay LinkedIn for another three or four months of like, I think it's thirty nine 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 to be a premium member. And most times you don't even need that. Like if you're active on LinkedIn, you'll be fine without the premium aspect. If you can get it, if you're really looking for a job, it does help. But in regards to networking, which is super interesting, in my eyes, networking means being able to meet someone who you generally don't know or meeting someone who you met a while back and seeing where there is synergy between the both of you and where the both of you can add value to each other's professional and personal life. And the second aspect that goes very closely with it is that I think most people can add value to most people. And it goes both ways. So if I'm talking to you, right, I think I can add value to your life and you can definitely add value to my life. And a lot of times people people are shy or I like to say that they don't shoot their shot. So it's very important that people, like, you know, if they think that the person next to them is a good person who they should say hi to and exchange emails, contact, talk to them, they probably should do that and stop thinking about it. So I think shooting your shot is super important when it comes to networking. And yeah, I think being able to add value to people's lives is in my eyes what networking is all about. 100%. Going off on that point of networking, obviously you're heavily involved on campus. Getting involved on campus for me was one of the best things because I got free tickets to Forbes 13 and 13. From there, I could really start to build up my network. But a lot of people, when they think of networking, they think of it as let's look up business events on Eventbrite and just randomly go. That's quite a big jump to make for a lot of people. So can you talk more about kind of an actionable plan if you're someone completely fresh to networking on how to network? So I think there are two ways that you can network. One way is fake it till you make it. And you go at all these events. And even though you might not be interested in something, all because the networking event, you tell people that you're interested. And the second more sustainable option is finding events that you love and where you have a genuine interest. So if I'm genuinely interested in impact investing, I'm going to find the top impact investing events in Boston. So I'm currently engrossed in the entire environment. And when I meet people, I can add value to them as well. And it's more like a real and more sustainable aspect because I enjoy being in an environment and speaking that topic. But in terms of building a plan of how to increase network, I think the most difficult part is starting off. Like, you know, you can plan as much as you want, but actually starting off is most hard. So first things first, I would say is like build a LinkedIn profile because it can go a long way. Because when you meet someone at a networking event, 
you might exchange cards, but it's much easier to just add them on LinkedIn real quick if you want to stay connected so they can see all your updates instead of you having to email them or call them up to like update them about different things. I think the second item as well is if you're a student and looking to get involved on campus, one of the first things I did was I went through all the clubs in Northeastern. So Northeastern has 400 clubs. Most schools have more than 100 clubs from business, econ, science, engineering, whatever your choice is. And I started following all these, like I made a list of 10, 15 clubs that I was really interested in. And I subscribed to the newsletter, started following them on social media, like Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. So I knew what was happening. And I attended like maybe an info session for each club and realized what I wanted to like head into. And the third thing as well is that leverage your seniors. So, and I can't like tell this enough, but like a lot of your, a lot of like my seniors who are working full time right now have a lot of great career advice that you can take from and they have a strong network that you can bounce off as well. So like using them as tools of help and guidance really helps. And the last thing was making sure that you're sharing as well. It's not like networking. I feel a lot of time is about giving as well. So if I find someone who might be an interesting person for you to interview, I'll make sure I'll take 15 minutes and I'll draft up an email and connect the both of you. And I think the more and more you help people and you like add value to people, other people will also add value to yourself. And that's how like you keep going your network and you keep meeting more people. Yeah, it's definitely good to hear because we hear the term all the time, but I'm a big advocate on trying to simplify things down into just, you know, a daily task. And in business, we talk about such high level things and just being able to be concrete is so important. Following up from that, you mentioned that someday you might want to have a startup. How do you feel about entering the working world? What excites you? What scares you? Because from knowing you personally, I feel like you can work well in both environments. But I'm curious about what your thoughts are with that. One of the scariest aspects of entering the working world is choosing where you want to work or what industry do you want to work because there are so many amazing industries and most people like who are passionate and motivated have so many interests that they have. Like I enjoy playing sports, so sports management might be a field. I like impact, so microfinance. I like finance, so like something more traditional might be amazing. And then obviously like my, I have a family business back home, which I can also join. So there are so many options. So I think choosing what you want to do is one of the hardest decisions. And then the second thing is going all out at it and not thinking twice now and just trying to be the best at it and making a dent on the world with what you're doing. And the reason I want to pursue a more traditional finance route after college is because I feel that it's also important to have a certain amount of money in your bank account so that you're comfortable. And I feel that a lot of times traditional roles are a big value add because they teach you basic things about office culture, being professional, basic things that you might need on the job. And I definitely, at the end of the day, want to be an entrepreneur and have my own thing because I feel that at the bottom of my heart, I definitely am an entrepreneur. And I think having certain money in your bank, having worked at a more traditional name, it's a big value add because when you're starting your own business, it adds a lot of credibility if you're looking for investment from outside or you're just doing something in another industry altogether. Good to hear, good to hear. So my final question for you is what resources do you look for for guidance when it comes to finance, when it comes to career, impact investing, whatever holds meaning to you? That's a loaded question, I feel, because there are so many resources that are in the world that you can take advantage of. 
the first and foremost i think is family and friends of course i come from a pretty big family like from india in terms of family size and there are a lot of my mentors in my family itself so i take a lot of advice from them be it in terms of career advice advice when i'm choosing between different aspects of my life or simply something like taking another class at northeastern the second thing is also like friends so somebody like a few years back told me that the five or 10 friends that you most closely associate yourself with and most regularly hang out with is your entire network that's that's who you are as a person because that's what you attract so like you know just being around people who are similar like you similar not in terms of what you both like doing but similar mindset in terms of being motivated wanting to be successful just like working hard enjoying life having more genuinely different experiences and also making sure that they are diverse i don't want to have five karans with me roaming around because i already am a karan and like the other karan won't add value to me so friends family and thirdly if you're a college student right now take advantage of all your professors that's a big resource that people don't realize how much of an advantage it can be all my professors i tried to like establish a relationship with them meet them in their office hours go talk to them about career advice if he's a professor he's probably like 40 plus years old and he's done a lot with starting his own business doing research having your own fund they've done it all so i think getting advice from professors is also a big thing and then there are so many tools online that you can take advantage of on linkedin there are people you can follow one blog that i love to follow is called gates notes foundation so bill that's bill gates's personal blog it's a beautiful blog where he writes like weekly monthly about certain aspects and he recommends books every year which are some of my favorite books so also like reading books i think is super helpful i'm a big reader and just when you're going to events or meeting anyone being open to learn and being like a sponge so that when they say stuff you absorb it certain things you might not want to absorb when it's not like it's not floating your boat but just being open to all experiences and learning from it are like a few aspects that i believe have helped me grow and keep going as i'm speaking to you right now very cool no i appreciate you coming on the podcast today you've given our audience some insane value for the people listening right now make sure that you actually take notes on what we are telling you we live in a world where there's just content all around the place but it's ultimately your ability to take action that is going to help your career the most right you've learned about how you can use linkedin you've learned about how to go about networking from someone who's done it effectively i can go on and on but really this podcast is only as useful as your ability to take action on it so please improve your linkedin profile for goodness sakes you know go go that action mark really do take action be an active member of your life take some self responsibility with this because no one else will but ranting aside thanks for being on today kron appreciate you taking the time and organizing this as well i think it's super helpful I think LinkedIn reading books being open meeting people experiencing different things are some takeaways that at least I took away while just talking to you right now and I can't wait for the amazing things that you keep doing in the future man if, and yeah if any of you like to connect as well always happy to like connect via email or LinkedIn because we spoke so much about it but yeah thank you for having me I appreciate it as well this is a platform that I can use not only to build a personal brand a bit for myself but more than that going back to what you were saying 
where I can have these networking experiences. I can be open to hear what is working for other people. Ultimately, it's just a way for me to learn. So I'm super grateful for this opportunity. I'm super grateful to have you as a friend, Karan. And again, thanks for being on. I appreciate it. I think all those words are mutual. And I can't wait to see you soon and see what you do next. Thanks, man. Talk soon.